Welcome into 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast for the Wednesday pod. We're going to start the pod by ranking the 2019, 2020, and 2021 quarterback classes. We're going to rank them in order who we'd pick. After that, we'll go what's on tap, looking at the games ahead, both in the NFL and NCAA, looking at prospect and rookie matchups to watch. And then, of course, we have our PFF Greenline picks. We make a pick in the NFL and NCAA, all supported by PFF Greenline. Remember, this podcast is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with one starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. We're also currently giving away a signed Saquon Barkley jersey. Rate and review the podcast and we'll be choosing a winner next week. back mike we're back in south bend beautiful south bend here in the backdrop here in the cincinnati studios ready to rip it up starting with you want to rank quarterback classes today or not quarterback classes you want to rank quarterbacks from the past three draft classes yeah so i was you know watching justin herbert light it up in that first half on monday night and thinking where would you take him again if you know you could if you could reevaluate at this point what were we three games in on four games in on Mm -hmm. him at this point to see like where he would stack up, if not just him, but like all the young quarterbacks throw in the second year quarterbacks, your boy Gardner Minshew, and then the prospects coming up in 2021, kind of where he'd sit mm-hmm. in those rankings. And mine might not be great. Yours might be a little more favorable. Let's see here. Yeah, well, starting with number one, I think we both have Trevor Lawrence there, taking Trevor Lawrence over Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, all the quarterbacks from the, you know obviously the past three years. And, and it's because... What we've seen, how he's developed at Clemson, you know, with the arm talent is there, the tools are there, the athleticism, and he's just consistently gotten better. Even this season, he's probably going to finish with the highest graded season of his career in what has been a very good career at Clemson, starting from his true freshman season. What what would keep him from number one on this list? Because I don't think it's going to get there. Um, like the, I don't even want to like say what would keep him from number one on this <laughs> list because I don't want to put that into existence. It would injury. Like yeah, the yeah. only thing that keep him from number one on this list, he is unquestionably best quarterback prospect bar none like all the things that you know we've seen kind of like a guy like josh allen like he was noted for his tools and what he could do physically uh if only he puts it together and we've kind of seen him put that together in year three lawrence has all those tools and he put it together as an 18 year old freshman at clemson and he's still building on that throughout the course of his college career so yeah, I feel pretty good about Trevor Lawrence. It's number one here. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect since who? Don't I, someone I haven't seen at since uh, what play college football. Really? Yeah. Better than yeah. Andrew Luck? Better than all these guys? These consensus number one picks? Luck. Really? I definitely better than Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck was a very good prospect, and he was also a little older coming out, a redshirt junior coming out. He actually like. If Lawrence comes back to college, that's what Andrew Luck did back in, what, 2011. Yeah, it's true. Um, he returned to school because what well, he didn't want to play for the the uh, Panthers, I guess it was, who had the pick that year, was it? I don't was, know. Yeah, it was the year before. Uh, or that, yeah, I think it was. So I, I do think he's better than Andrew Luck as a prospect. Like, he is a better arm than Andrew Luck and has had more sort of winning success at the college level. Uh, right now, 
Trevor Lawrence ranks third in uh, percentage of throws that were uncatchable, inaccurate. Third, third fewest at 11.4%. Number one on that list is Mac Jones of Alabama. And number two on that list is a guy we'll bring up later in the podcast, Zach Wilson of BYU. And I think the accuracy is so important. It's because arm talent, everyone's going to flock to mm-hmm. freaking Trevor Lawrence for the arm talent. But when you, are, when you have his arm talent but are consistently making accurate throws like he is in this 2020 season, that is that, that coupling that we rarely see where you have this high end in your game. You can be a, a super athlete outside of the pocket. You can fire into tight windows with some sauce, but also being consistently accurate, making good decisions with the football. That combination is what is rare, and I think that's what Trevor Lawrence is at its core. Number two, who's your guy on number two? Number two, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow, this year's number one pick. I think his accuracy gives him a very high floor. I think the leadership qualities, the winner qualities are off the charts with him, and I, I do believe of a lot of the positions in the NFL, quarterback by far your makeup makes the most difference. Now, do we know exactly which makeups translate to good quarterbacks? Not so much, but a guy as driven as he is, I believe uh, is going to like that. That's a good makeup. I'll just say, I, I think that's one that, that wins at the end. And, and we've seen that actually in the NFL. I mean, he's, he's graded out really well for us because he's consistently accurate with the football. He had probably his worst game of his career against the Baltimore Ravens, but he was also pressured on what north of 50% of his dropbacks. He's yeah. really been battered behind that Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. And now just talking about Trevor Lawrence's accuracy at that 11.4% number of uncatchable throws, Joe Burrow, we praised him for his accuracy in 2019. He finished at 13.7%. So Trevor Lawrence, even outpacing a guy that we've, called one of the more accurate quarterbacks coming out of the draft. I did not go with Joe Burrow. And I went with a guy that right now the box score stats are unfavorable. But I think he's in a system that's not like really taking advantage of what he can do. It's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's average of the target is far too low for a guy who has legit arm talent. I understand mm-hmm. Drew Brees not pushing the ball downfield. I understand some of these other – Philip Rivers not pushing the ball downfield. But Kyler Murray should uncork it a bit more. I mean, he's they have really limited him, got the ball out quick, feeding it to playmakers, DeAndre Hopkins and company. But I think – Kyler Murray should be better than where the box score is. I think if he was in an offense that was pushing the ball downfield, you would see more highlight real plays like we're seeing with Justin Herbert and other young quarterbacks in the NFL, even Josh Allen. But I think right now I'd say Kyler Murray is the guy I'd take after Trevor Lawrence on these three draft classes. I can't hate on that. I, I do think, and this is, I don't want, I don't even know if this is a hot take, but I do think Cliff Kingsbury is the most overrated head coach in the NFL. Like he's not particularly creative and I don't think there's a cohesiveness to his offense the way there is uh say like a shot other guys who get this like offensive genius Sean McVay Brian Dable Kyle Shanahan yeah even like what we've seen from Matt LaFleur this year and how that offense pairs together is a lot more like I said cohesive and has an identity compared to what I mean he just leans back on wide receiver screens and a lot of RPOs and that like offense and that's fine but I don't I don't I don't see that as being – those are like complementary pieces to an offense and not necessarily an offense on its own, as we saw last year with Cleveland Browns. So I do think that if you he were to be put in a more favorable system, like you flip him and Lamar Jackson's situation and what how that offense is made – like basically how that offense is run in Baltimore, I think you'd see a lot more success from Kyler Murray. So I can't hate on that, and I do think his rushing ability basically carried that offense so far. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I had him three on my list. Obviously, so you had, you, you had him three. I have yeah. right below Burrow. So I had Joe Burrow at three. I had Joe Burrow at three, even though so. that you know there's a ton of concerns. Joe Burrow, you know, struggling under pressure. He's, he he doesn't have the arm talent to be in the NFL. There's like people who don't are off of Joe Burrow and flocking to Justin Herbert because yeah. Joe Burrow hasn't had these highlight real plays. And, and the concerns with Joe Burrow's deep ball right now, I think, are valid. He has really struggled pushing the ball downfield twenty plus yards. Part yeah. of that is he has rarely had the time to do so. I, I think the chemistry with his receiving core is a bit off i don't think he's like i i you rarely see them connecting downfield mm-hmm. where i feel like they're on the same page but there, there are legitimate concerns with joe burrow pushing the ball downfield while justin herbert is singing in that yeah. regard uh what, what, do you have justin herbert at four at five where's justin herbert on your list uh, number four i have justin fields the ohio state quarterback mm-hmm. and again the high floor because of how talented he is as a runner uh, he ran like a four or five coming out of high school so you can expect him to run in that range when he comes out uh, in the draft and very accurate with football. Now, there are concerns about the ease of the job he had to do at Ohio State, and those are very valid. But I just think the talent-wise, uh, he's pretty much off the charts. And, and I I think he'll translate well to the NFL uh, fairly quickly. I do have Justin Herbert at four. Ooh. And even though we were low on him coming out, I, you he doesn't look like the same quarterback we saw at Oregon. I I, I think they're he looks way more confident behind that offensive line. You look at that play against the Saints or two unblocked rushers and he's able to bail out of the pocket and fire that one in the end zone. Like did you see that play at Oregon? Did he ever do those types of things at Oregon? I didn't no, I, not a lot. You saw the arm talent. I'm not questioning the arm talent, but like you see some moxie in this kid now, and I'm not sure it's because he's now like a little. He, he was the backup to star, and he's kind of playing up to his caliber now. But I, I've been really impressed at the new things we've seen from Justin Herbert, and he's seen, shown them so early, mm-hmm. so early in his rookie career, and I think or his NFL career. And when you're looking at other rookie quarterbacks, you always say you just need to see it. You need to see it in a handful of games. We've seen it. We've seen it in multiple games now against really good defenses, against good quarterbacks. He's lost to Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and another uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes by combined like 13 points. Mm -hmm. And that's just the Chargers for you. But the fact that he's been able to stay in these games – confidence to push the ball downfield to guys like Guyton and, and random receivers downfield. It's been really impressive. I, I think it's a small sample size, easy to overreact. He also ranks only 13th in uncatchable, accurate, uh, uncatchable, inaccurate throws from a percentage perspective so far this year. The accuracy concerns at Oregon are obviously there. It's not top 10 for Justin Herbert, but to do what he's doing now with mm-hmm. no preseason and abbreviated offseason, limited snaps playing number two behind Terod Taylor, this guy looks good. I'm not debating that he looks good. I'm more just saying, one, it's been, so the four game grades are 56.0 pass grade, 71.3, 70.1, Solid games for a rookie to start their career, for sure. And, and they're not, some of these were not easy tests. You know, uh, Tampa Bay, definitely not an easy test to look as good as he did in that game. Great, but they've also put a lot of training wheels on this offense for him, and they're not letting him go out and win with his arm. I think this past week they ran like 18 times on first down, and, and now that's that's almost to his detriment at times. But they're also like limiting his dropbacks and attempts. In the one game he did have to drop back a bunch, Carolina, that was a game he struggled a little bit more in. And so, I just think it's such a small sample size at this point. I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway is that there was no sort of learning curve for him. Mm-hmm. Like his, he was ready from a Kind of how 
almost like Daniel Jones looked as a Rick where it's just like he steps in and he could do all the NFL things. Yeah. Like he's not, the game's not too fast for him. The game's not too big for him, but it's where does his ceiling go that I always had question marks about him coming out of college. I know he has this big arm and he makes these special throws down the football field and he's taking far more chances with him now this year with the Chargers, but it was more, can he play winning football? Um, like at the end of games that we obviously like talked about at Oregon where he was just would not, like I said, play winning football at the end of games. And even in the Saints game in the past week, he throws that ball behind on the slant, and that's what led to him being tackled short on that fourth down. Now, obviously, like, I'm saying he's been incredibly impressive, but I'm saying it's also not enough to really change my pre-draft opinion on him massively mm-hmm. to where I'm going to put him and, – and it's because these guys are also Lawrence Burrow, Murray Fields, and the guy I have fifth here, Trey Lance – are ridiculously good prospects. Yeah, like yeah. can be, I believe, like top all top five type quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting to see that from Justin Herbert, that consistency week to week, and the uh, you know the accuracy to be at that level of dominance. Uh, Eric Eager, Doctor Eric Eager, yeah. uh, analyst here at PFF, says this all the time. It's a small sample size sport, yeah. and it's so easy to overreact or maybe properly react to a handful of plays. Yeah. I mean, in a game, a quarterback gets only a handful of opportunities throwing 10 plus yards downfield. Sometimes it's fewer than 15 times, but those are the throws that matter. Those are the throws that you react to. And so far this year, Justin Herbert has looked good on a handful of those and has earned a handful of really good grades throwing the deep ball. But I, I mean, I, I understand not wanting to overreact to this. I understand not wanting to, for four games, be back on Justin Herbert. And how basically Chargers fans feel now about Justin Herbert is the exact same way Broncos fans felt about Drew Locke at the end of last year. Like every Broncos fan coming into this True. year felt that way about Drew Locke and through a game and whatever, a handful of snaps in this week too, Drew Locke Cause think did of, not You, you like talk that. about a small sample size sport. Think yeah. of how quickly the opinion changes. Yes. If Justin Herbert has a, game like has Joe a stinker, yeah. you know what I mean? Like has an absolute, like a terrible game, two pick yeah. type of game, multiple inaccurate throws. Chargers are never in this game. Like, oh man, maybe we, like yeah. that's how bad freaking this game and analyzing this game can be. You know, like exactly. I think people want to overreact to things, want to get excited about things. You think about week one, week two, where you're already looking at like trying to find analysis in this small sample size sport. It can be a bit daunting. That's sure. the thing. It's like, I'm not not going to poke holes in what i've seen so far i'm mm-hmm. just saying it's not enough to yeah. sway i mean we regression is coming four, of three and a half years of college football, yeah. <laughs> regression is coming regression came for josh allen last night i mean did not look um you know as good as he did through the first four weeks i'm not saying not discrediting what he did in the first no, four weeks but, but you didn't see the same but it's it's very rare that people make massive massive changes yeah to who they especially are. in the quickly. third year yeah i think kevin cole that quickly is kevin like, cole it, did it an analysis happen, of like third year jumps like quarterbacks that made big third year jumps i think the the, the one that did the, the biggest third year jump in his nfl career from a i think it was a qbr and pa- um pass rating perspective was bob greasy even i think passing grade as well and he's like you know there it's very rare very rare that that happens all right that's going to do it for the ranking the top five quarterbacks of the past three draft classes it was an interesting it was an interesting exercise i i'm not i'm not upset at trevor lawrence being number one i think the, the debate between kyler murray and joe burrow is legit after that though you are you it's are trying to find a mixed bag yeah it's a mixed bag uh, and i will say this about trey lance there are serious concerns about him as passer but man that dude can run like that guy is uh i don't know if we've seen anything quite like him as a runner in the nfl like it's not even lamar jackson no like i'm saying he's a different type of runner than lamar jackson like he's legit power back to where I don't even think Cam Newton like wasn't lowering a shoulder on guys in space like how I much think, is that playing I, the FCS though ah, but no but if you just watch like he's 230 
what is he like six three two thirty and like he's almost like that's a hoss you know, yeah like he's almost like Derrick Henry esque in like his Holy running shit, style like Mike, that's kind what of, are you making this comparison his running style <laughs> I'm saying that's the way he runs from the quarterback you know position. what I'm, I'm seeing in my head is like it's the I, broadcast I yeah. and he has like running style Derrick Henry arm of fucking yeah with Brett that David <laughs> speed of Chris Johnson the no. mind of God himself but but he is like I'm just saying like he's a different type of runner than I think we've seen at the quarterback position which. That's high Again, praise. You can take you can take advantage of at the NFL level. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see him get with you know a creative offense coordinator like exactly. uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I've heard you're a big fan. Uh, all right, what's on tap? Let's look at the NFL slate first and highlight some rookies we want to watch this upcoming weekend. You go ahead and kick us off. I'm going to kick it off with a little trench matchup: Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers. One of my favorite games to watch. Of the it's weekend. always a good so one. That this one, uh, I mean, big AFC North implications here. Uh, with one loss between those two. But Jordan Elliott, defensive tackle, had a hot start to the year, ran into Nick Martin, or excuse me, Zach Martin. I was, I've been doing that a lot lately. I don't know why. Mm. Uh, Zach Martin in week four, and then ran into the Colts offensive line and got a little banged up this past week. But going up against Kevin Dotson, who uh, came in for David DeCastro last week. I'm not sure if DeCastro is going to be back uh, even if he's not, watch Jordan Elliott this week against a talented Steelers offensive line. I would also encourage everyone to go back and watch Kevin Dotson this past week on the All-22. Because it was he looked very, very comfortable. Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I mean, he looked very comfortable going against a very good Philadelphia Eagles um, defensive line. I, I, I was not expect you, you rarely see rookie tackles or even guards look as comfortable as he did moving uh, against those guys I, I i was i was really impressed with dotson and you, you liked both those ull guys coming out dotson and, and um robert hunt robert hunt who made I, his first start last week as well that's uh, that's cool that they're already in the nfl starting all right uh rookie on rookie matchup here andrew thomas who has not played well to start his nfl career has looked really sloppy like i spoke to the opposite of kevin dotson does not mm-hmm. look comfortable playing in the nfl right now going against chase young so a little rookie-on-rookie rookie matchup, the Washington football team taking on the New York football giants. Um, I think I think Chase Young could batter this kid. It, it's been rough for Andrew Thomas so far mm-hmm. this year, and Chase Young has looked every bit of the talented prospect we touted him as. And, man, I, I think this one could, be, could get ugly for Andrew Thomas. I feel like Chase Young gets screwed by the fact that just like Washington's never going to have leads. Yeah. There's never going to be a time where he's just can pin his ears back and go because they're going to be down 14 in pretty much every game, yeah, unfortunately, except for this one. So maybe we get a, sh- a chance. I mean, New York Giants New York are Giants. bad. I mean, they've been bad this year, but they're still favored over Washington. <laughs> that's that's tough to watch. Is, you know who likes Washington? Uh, the dogs this week is Eric Eager. He's big on Washington upsetting, not upsetting, but covering that number. Um, who's Wait, your next matchup? Yeah, because they both suck. Uh, I'll go with Jeffrey Okuda, much maligned, but he got a little bye week. Got a little mental break. Someone asked me on the mailbag last week who needs the buy the most of the rookie class. So I need the cornerbacks. These cornerbacks <laughs> just need they need to reassess what they you know, they just need to to stop uh stressing out there, maybe get a little confidence back with a bye week. So Kuda going up against LaVisca, who low key was actually running like most of his snaps outside this past week, caught seven balls for eighty two yards, should have and broke three tackles, should have been more. Your boy, Gardner, missed him on a crossing route where he was open. You know. You watch. I watch. You watch every throw and every drop back that Gardner Minshew does immediately after. The lights off. Exactly. Uh, But there's a chance LaVisca is legit. And I think LaVisca is legit. Like, I don't think there's a chance. I think there's a legit. There, he is legit in how he's currently used and how he's yeah. going to be using that offense. Like getting him the football 
quickly has been very good for them. He's broken tackles. He's gotten upfield. He is a threat. I would argue not a bigger threat, but a near equal threat to DJ Chark. And DJ Chark's good in contested catch situations, can win downfield. But LaVisca Chenault puts pressure on defenses that other receivers just don't do. That is the one thing we have not seen from LaVisca yet is just downfield like yeah. any sort of like well, we haven't seen that from Gardner either so, so. <laughs> I mean yeah, he does have some nice yeah. touch passes downfield but he's not a guy that's necessarily hammering it 20 plus yards down yeah, he gave Levisky gave I think it was was it Hargraves or was it Gaines I, I think it was Hargraves he gave him just the dirtiest whip route in that game I don't know if you saw which which one who who gave who the dirtiest LaVisca whip route oh yeah 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 I mean Hargraves didn't run a whip route I, I'm sorry, I was lost. I thought you were talking about the DJ Moore whip route all of a sudden. That's the biggest whip oh. route that's stuck in my head because he took it that It was one. as good as that. But that whip just, route was filth. Yeah. Um, all right, next uh, matchup I'm looking at here is Jeff Gladney, Cameron Dancer, two rookie cornerbacks for the Minnesota Vikings, going against Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. If Julio Jones is healthy to play this week, he has been battling, what, a hamstring injury or knee injury, whatever it may be. Cameron Dancer looked absolutely lost in the sauce this past week, specifically at the catch point. It was not good. It was hard to watch. Jeff Gladney, I still see a lot of the same Jeff Gladney that we saw at TCU. Tough, plays the things in front of him really well. But when you test him deep, you can tell he has not been like he's not He's still adjusting to the speed of the NFL. He's also adjusting to the size of the NFL. He looks very small going against some of these bigger receivers. Uh, this is going to be a test for a battered Minnesota Vikings defense you know uh back uh secondary it, mm-hmm. it has been rough for them i mean outside of harrison smith and anthony harris these cornerbacks have really struggled to stick with guys and they're going against one of the better wide receiver duos in the nfl yeah that one i mean it doesn't get any easier in the nfl like dk going from dk metcalf and tyler lockett to julio jones calvin ridley hey good luck fellas you're gonna good luck fellas bring the lunch pail um all right my next one jordan fuller the safety he's on the ir Am I dead? Fuck this one up. I think you fucked that one up. I think Jordan Fuller just got put on the IR. Did he? Yeah, it's brutal. So I, I, I'm looking forward to watching him as well. Rehab, get healthy, get better. You know what I mean? Mentally, he had such a good game last week. He did. That's he did. Why He's had a good. He had a good start to the season. He's created really well for them. Injuries is always a bitch. For me. It's, well, it's it's tough to see. Well, I'll, I'll take over here. Trayvon Diggs, who probably wishes he's on the IR at this point, going against DeAndre Hopkins, who I think they he will see some matchups. I I since. This past week, you saw him not go against the team's top receiver every time. They're not doing that to him anymore. But I still think he's going to see some reps against DeAndre Hopkins because he's a big, bigger cornerback going against a bigger receiver. you got to try and take advantage of that matchup when you can. When I said about Trayvon Diggs that he's been getting battered so far this season, Dallas Cowboys fans were relentless, like, after me, saying he's a rookie, what are you doing? Like, he hasn't been that bad, blah, blah, blah. I was like, are, what games are we watching? I, I like Trayvon Diggs. I liked See. him going into the year. I called him a first-round pick. I can still properly assess that he hasn't been good this year neither has most of the rookie cornerbacks you don't you you've never crossed cowboys fans before. i think this cowboys is the first fans time are I've... the lakers fans of the nfl they're actually all the same fans in, in fact the cowboys fans are lakers fans but so my this is a good story my buddy uh uh, Nick Bloor plays the full fullback for the Seahawks. Not even really fullback. He just plays special teams, teams. <laughs> for the Seahawks. He was on the podcast, friend of the pod. Um, he he had the hit on CD Lamb. I know, yeah. That that like tweaked his knee. Mm-hmm. Didn't even like it was an open field tackle on a punt return. He was showing me the amount of DMs he got from Cowboys fans saying you're trying to injure my boy CD and just like calling him a bitch, calling him a clown was absurd on an open field tackle. More or less than DMs than you get on a weekend. It was, I mean, there were hundreds of DMs from Cowboys fans just calling them every name in the book because he made an open field tackle on CD Lamb that hit his knee. That's absurd. I didn't get that kind of pushback, but it was definitely, it was somewhat close. I mean, they they were really upset that I was 
properly assessing that Trevon Diggs hasn't played well. And even this past week, he hasn't played well. The problem is you you watch him. Don't just watch his targets. Watch him covering routes. They have him playing a lot more off coverage than he played at Alabama. And, and when you get – he is getting – toasted by these quicker more agile receivers like you watch him against Darius Slayton against the New York Giants like he's just breaking off way quicker than Trayvon Diggs is capable of like his quick his quickness his short area quickness just isn't there it's not in the same league necessarily with some of these receivers he's going against and you see that going against DeAndre Hopkins this week is going to be tough like I I think he could get beat down a bit I think he needs to be impressed I said this on what two pods ago if he doesn't get his hands on you at the line of scrimmage, it, it's fucking cross your fingers and hope that he can stick with these guys because outside of that, he's been really, you know, really uh, torched. He was a much better fit for what they did defensively last year uh, in Marinelli's scheme yeah. and all that. Like I thought, uh, they've just been. I mean, that was kind of, it's kind of everyone that defense it seems like right yeah. now it was a much well, none better of them fit are playing well. Yeah, no one in the secondary is playing well for Dallas right now, and I, that's another criticism that Dallas Cowboys fans hit me with. And that brings up kind of an interesting draft. Uh, point. This is a massive segue at this point. But when you draft guys for scheme, and Atlanta's going to be in this boat right now, and then all of a sudden you switch schemes, like yeah, that's rough. Talking behind the you're behind the eight ball at a lot of different positions when you have guys who are you know these one gap penetrators. Like you drafted Tristan Hill mm-hmm. like specifically because of how he fit into Rod Marinelli's. Now you're asking him to do anything other than that, and all of a sudden he looks like I mean he looked like ass last year too. But like you have guys who cannot play in other schemes, and someone asked me the other day, it's like, do you draft specifically for scheme or do you draft for talent? I, I really feel like. You have to. In the secondary, is you have to. You you still have to draft for scheme, but like you have to be flexible enough as a defensive coordinator. Like being a defensive coordinator, like that's your job is to be able to run more than just what I run, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Is being able to put your guys in the best position. And offensive coordinators have had to do that same thing. Like when yeah. they, in the past, it was I need a quarterback that fits my system that can be a drop back passer that can move mm-hmm. the ball downfield. Now it's like we drafted Lamar Jackson, change everything. We drafted Josh Allen, change everything. <clears throat> yeah, we need to adapt our offense to what our quarterback is good at. Yeah. And I think defenses need to do the damn same thing. I mean, the same damn thing. Playing damn Trayvon same. Diggs. Damn same thing. Yep. Playing Trayvon Diggs in some of the positions he's been in, he's going into the slot. Like You need to keep him outside. You need to keep him impressed because yeah. you don't want him going, doing much of anything else. Because his best rep against Darius Slayton was press on the slant, and he had the pass breakup. Like, he needs to get physical with receivers if he's going to stay within reach. Um, let's do our green line picks here. You kick us off. That was a lot. All right. I'm going to go with the Bears, who are getting points going to Carolina to face the Panthers. That's a bad bet. You're betting against Teddy Two Gloves. Okay. Um, the Bears are good. Like, legitimately one of the best defenses in the NFL. Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack. Um, this one, getting points, I, I get why, like, they're on the road, but I don't believe in home field advantage this year. So, I'm going to go with Chicago Bears. I hate that bet. I'm a Better quarterback by three at home. I'm taking Teddy. Nick Foles doesn't have three bad games in a row. Okay. Look okay. I, I I like the Panthers in that situation. My bet, and I haven't been good. I bet on the Falcons last week, and it was a disaster. Because I, you know who I bet against when I bet on the Falcons? Tay Two Gloves mm. on the road, making plays, I making mean, absolute I, plays. I told you that. Anyway, I this I week, that one, this week, Green Line has I think a one percent edge or a little above that on the Browns at plus three and a half going to Pittsburgh to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's going to be interesting because they're they are getting pressure with with reckless abandon right now in Pittsburgh. T.J. Watt, uh, Cameron Hayward, everyone's getting pressure there. And Baker Mayfield has really struggled when he's under duress, seeing ghosts, bailing out of clean pockets, all that stuff. It could be a bad news bear situation for the Browns. However, I'm sticking green line, sticking with the math. I like 
Baker Mayfield on the road, plus three and a half. Yeah, I just don't love that matchup for Cleveland, man. It's going to be tough. I, 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 Steelers I, I, are a top three run defense right now, just based on like statistically. And you watch their defensive line. That's they, They've been really good are. on the back end, too. They've been getting pressure on quarterbacks. They, like they, You have to beat them through the air mm-hmm. is what you're going to have to do. It has been really Rich. impressive what Stefanski has done, though, with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has not played well this year. I think he's graded outside yeah. the top 15 as a passer, but they're still getting the job done because he's creating open throws for him getting them out on play, uh, play action boots and running the football effectively. That yeah. offensive line, Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller, all grading really well right now. Even Jedrick Wills is 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 uh, grading well from a rookie perspective. So good stuff from the Cleveland Browns. All right, before we jump to college, let's take a quick break where we're going to look at some college matchups to watch and then our green line picks on the NCAA. <sighs> All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge Annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 today with promo code PFF to receive your free PFF Edge Annual subscription. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide you with the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week. And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. What's on tap, Mike? What are some prospect matchups or prospects you're watching this week? Um, I'm going to caveat here, COVID willing, which might not be it, it's looking pretty rough right now but Kyle Pitts the floor tight end going up against Jabril Cox in LSU <laughs> I have hope uh what's his face Dan Mullen said they'd play they want a packed stadium so that's good for them uh, dude <laughs> it's good for the, <laughs> spread. the swamp with 90,000 yeah. fans I um, can't believe I can't believe it but that just I mean for a prospect matchup is going to be good whenever they do hopefully play if they do play I think that would be good however when? I also don't think when? I also don't think Jabril Cox would be lined up on Kyle Pitts a ton. I think they're going to try and throw cornerbacks and, and safeties at this guy because so. I just they, they throw Jabril into the slot, and I'm not trusting um, what's his face to do the most uh, former Nebraska head coach Bo Pelini. Oh, Bo to Pelini. do the to do the, the smart know. thing there because <laughs> no, no right. one's been able to cover Kyle Pitts. I don't think Jabril Cox would be the guy that's necessarily the saving it's grace. However, I do know who's covering Kyle Pitts this week. It's COVID nineteen, and I don't think he's going to have any catches this week. I don't think they're playing that game. Blanket coverage. Blanket coverage. All right, my my game here, and I know you have a matchup, your or prospect you're looking at here as well. But BYU versus Houston. You know, BYU is only five point favorites here. So I, I, it's one of the closer games that should be there. Last week, they were favored by 34.5 against UTSA. I want to see Zach Wilson cook. He's cooked all year. One of the highest-graded quarterbacks. I already said he's like the ranked second in accuracy percentage, according to PFF's charting so far this year. We t- keep talking about him entering this first-round conversation. You do it against Houston. You do it against def- you know Boise State is another one on their schedule that is big. But doing it against teams that people have heard of, <laughs> doing it against teams where you're not a 30-point favorite, I think yeah. is important. And I think uh, that, that I'll be watching Zach Wilson. Some crunch time, hopefully. Yeah, you want to see game. him. You want to see him losing a game. You want to see him, clo- you know, close in a game to where mm-hmm. it's it's not out of hand so early. All right, I'm going to go to the Alabama Georgia matchup, the matchup of the weekend. Christian Barmore 
defense tackle Alabama looked back to his old ways this past week, had a nice sack on a swim move going up against Ben Cleveland, the Georgia right guard, who I love, former five-star O-line recruit, massively strong dude, made Bruce Feldman's freaks list. We haven't talked about Bruce Feldman's freaks, freaks list in a while, but he made it. Did, is a, I think Bruce said he's a possibility to break the bench record at the Combine. Which oh, wow. That's it's a strong boy. You see it on his tape. Big fan of his game. And I, I, I thought of this the other day watching Christian Barmore. He, he should be our number one. He should be our favorite prospect. His last name is literally Barmore. The two for one drafts podcast. Oh wow! Should have him as he's like that's our true. ethos. So I like it. Barmore. That's that's incredible, man. How do we not think of this? Notre Dame education. Um, my my matchup here or my game, I guess, is UNC versus Florida State, and it's not because I want to watch. I want to bring up even the names on that Florida State defense. We've done that way too many times on this podcast. They have good, all they have under good players on that defense. Marvin Wilson has a sixty six point two grade after earning ninety plus grades in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, improving as a pass rusher. All the reasons to get on board. Only six pressures this year. Sixty six point two grade. He has drastically underwhelmed. Yeah. Same with uh, Kando, Durden. Hamza Nasraldin is supposed to play in this game. Uh, we, we should see that. But the reason I'm watching is the running back you mentioned on the Monday podcast, Michael Carter. You know, UNC, I think, is favored by 14 in this game. You're going to see them run that four-minute offense. I want to see Michael Carter versus this underperforming Florida State defense put up 10 force missed tackles and really put his name on people's radar. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Like I said, Hamza Nasraldin may play this week. Would like to see him as well. So that's going to be a nice matchup. I think UNC... Uh, puts a 50-burg around him, though. 50-burg. Right. I'm going to go to, like I said, that BYU-Houston. There's another draft matchup, and this is more of a one-on-oneer. you got Brady Christensen, the left tackle. We've talked about him before. Uh, I think he's the second-highest-grade tackle in the country this year, but, again, they haven't really played anyone. He's going to actually play someone this week, hopefully. Peyton Turner, edge for Houston. Juco transfer, six foot six, 270 pounds. This past week against Tulane, he put on a show two sacks two hits two hurries not particularly explosive but he's a strong and he can bend the edge a little bit for a six foot six 270 pounder so that'll be probably christensen's biggest test all year and now turner kind of splits sides so you won't see it a bunch but still biggest test all year last matchup here i got auburn versus south carolina and there's a ton of defensive backs in this game that i think um should be on people's radar jamin sherwood is a guy we talked about last week made i think it was fifth on dame brugler's top five underrated prospects that could sneak into the first round you also have mukuamu who has not had a great start to the season but he's still big and people are still going to flock to this big ass motherfucker who uh is playing defensive back for the south you know, for south carolina gamecocks and also roger mccreary the uh, defensive back for Auburn, Auburn, who who graded really well in 2019, has had his hands on the ball a ton, and so far this year he's one of their highest graded defensive players. Fan of T- his game, huh? I'm a fan of his game. Fan of his game. Roger McCreary is another name I'll be watching. Auburn versus South Carolina. Yeah, and J.C. Horn, the other South Carolina cornerback. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of talent in those two secondaries for sure. Yep, I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, Green line bets of the week here on the NCAA side. I'm going to roll my hometown Bearcats. Only giving three points to Tulsa. I get Tulsa, big win against UCF, kept it close against Oklahoma State. Very good defensively, but I don't see how they score a lot of points against this UC defense. This mm-hmm. UC defense is probably the best defense outside the Power Five in the country. The secondary is lethal. Yeah. And no no some, secondary is allowing a, a lower pass rating in, in fo- college football. They right got now some guys that can rush the passer too as well up front my sanders yes. um ahmad gardner on the back end is playing really well for them james wiggins in the slot has looked good so as much as tulsa does have a lot of talent defensively 
I don't see them being Dude, score Luke Fickle has really turned that program around. Thick. I mean, how about so one of Urban Meyer's biggest secrets, per se, was that he had the best positional coaches all the, always. Mm-hmm. Like he has so made so much talent he had as positional coaches, um, which I don't necessarily think is hard Ryan to Day, do when you're a Luke Fickle. But like everywhere he went, yeah. Like some guys don't. Like mm-hmm. I mean, some people do not have guys that develop the talent that and what luke in. fickle did and i think some people stealing... just like get recruiters mm-hmm. and then like florida state yeah at all along the office <laughs> like then don't actually develop yeah, them, yeah. You know? but stealing stealing some of that secret sauce was luke fickle who with him to cincinnati brought marcus freeman who was the linebackers coach i think at ohio state and is now the defensive coordinator and he is a, a head coaching candidate in the ncaa yeah. right now who has coached up that defense to a point where it is star studded you yeah. know it, it has gotten really good and luke fickle does a really good job on the recruiting scene talking to some of the bearcats reporters around here like it was a legit culture change from day one and i was actually yeah. at practices doing some random stuff with the bearcats when in his first year oh, and you could instantly see just how much he was changing that program. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the biggest things that everyone brought Tommy? up was that Luke Fickle, yeah. Luke Fickle practiced special teams. The coach previously did not, we said we never practiced special teams. Was it Tommy Tuberville? Tommy Tuberville. We never practiced special teams. And he said, we practiced special teams every single day. And it was like, it's like you could tell like how, how different the, this, this feel was for sure. Um, Where do you think coaches next year? Because how long he going? I don't know. He's kind of committed to UC right now, but he could. I could see him jump to the Power Five. Everyone's committed. Yeah, everyone's committed to they're not. All right, my green line pick this week, and green line has a pretty decent edge here. It is Pittsburgh plus ten and a half. I I I really like Pitt. Uh, Kenny Pickett looks good. Yeah, they have a real quarterback. Yeah, they have a real quarterback. uh, Defensively, they have some stars on that defense. I think plus ten and a half is too much for Pitt here. I think I'm going to give them. um, I'm going to make them my green line pick this week. All right, go for it. Making your pick then. All right, last last segment here, and we didn't mention this at the top, but we have we have to chug a prospect. Unfortunately, Andre Cisco, Syracuse safety, tears his ACL. Um, Guy, we were really high on going into the season. He's played well for them in that his new role for the Syracuse defense. Um, Chug him down. And he's going to the draft, he yeah. said. So, uh, yeah, we've talked about him a lot on this. We're No secret that we're big fans of his game. Poorly runs 4-3 uh, at six foot, 207 pounds. Has made a ton of plays on the ball over the course of his career. Uh, he's only played two games this year, but in his career now, he has uh, 25 combined picks and pass breakups, 13 interceptions, 12 picks or 12 pass breakups. Uh, and that's in just a little over two seasons. The dude makes plays on the football. He also misses a lot of tackles, 27 missed tackles on a little over 150 attempts in his career. Uh, that's not great. You see some very bad breaks on his tape and getting burnt on double moves and that sort of thing. He's going to be one of the probably, he's, I'd say opinions on him are going to be all over the map. Oh, absolutely. Come draft season. You know where, you know, you know where the opinion is going to change is when he goes to the order. combine and lights it on fire. Well, and he tore his ACL, so oh, he's I not going to be. That's going to happen. That but, sucks for him because yeah. no one, no, no one really buys into the fact that he's fast. Like yeah. he's very fast, right. good straight line speed, a legitimate yeah. athlete. That's going to suck for him. Yeah. So uh, unfortunate there, obviously, but yeah, Andre Cisco. Damn, boy. that that is really unfortunate. I don't know if he cracks the first round. He probably won't. I think it's going to be a day two prospect because he's going to. I'm miss surprised the that he's not coming back 
after tearing his ACL. Man, that just is bad. brutal for Andre Siskel. I, I really, I what do you think his ideal position in the NFL is? Round. Deep safety? Just like it's, yeah, it's deep safety. Man, that is brutal for Andre Cisco. I hate to end on a bad note, though. That sucks. That's that's Sorry, it for the Wednesday podcast, though. It's been it's been great. Definitely encourage you all to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It keeps food on the table, keeps beers in the fridge for Mike Renner and myself. But that's going to do it. Two for drafts. Austin Gale. Mike Renner.